How's it going today, guys? We're back here live in the studio once again for another episode of Hot Takes with TP3. I am your host, Thomas Penland, joined once again by none other than our Atlanta Braves, ball boy, bat boy, um, out there making the plays down the first baseline, Bid Bolton, Bid, say what's up again to the people. What's up, what's up? Hope y'all didn't see my error, though. <laughs> and hopefully they didn't uh, they didn't put you on blast though like nah, they did that nah. yeah so like the first week of the season I guess it was bids down there on the first baseline there's a hot shot down the line and he kind of you know it bounced off and he misses it a little bit they 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 called him out big time though we need to get Drew Plant so for those of y'all who don't know Drew's been on the show a couple times he's one of me and Bid's buddies and he's one of the uh, ball boys bad boys as well for the team and they were saying they need to get drew to teach him how to yeah, feel the ground that ball. was easily the worst one of the year for me i've had i've had a couple that were kind of tough plays that i didn't quite get to that one was an easy easy play that uh, yeah let's move on hey it's all right though but it was you know it was week one of the season but i mean a little rusty they don't they don't like the I, we don't get a spring training i had to shake the rust <laughs> yeah and they, besides, they don't point out when Bid makes the good plays. It's only yeah. the bad ones, but Bid, trust me, I know when you make the good <laughs> plays. So, well, let's get down to it, guys. We're going to talk today a little NBA stuff. Obviously, a huge move overnight with the Kawhi move. Before we get to that, though, we're also going to, I mean, we'll, we'll, we're going to start with that stuff, but later on the show, we're also going to get to some, uh, like, our breakdowns of each division as me and Bid did the season preview for the MLB. How we feel about our predictions so far? All good. oh yeah, all star snubs, home run derby. Yeah, baseball is one of the more chalky. You know, pro sports are typically the more chalky sports when it gets down to it. Except for the NFL, you know, the NFL I feel can be a little bit more wild. But let's get down to it. Let's get things rolling. So the big news broke. I was kind of pissed off. So honestly, you know, I've, I stayed up. I stayed up pretty late. So it's probably about two o'clock Eastern time. And at 2 a.m., I was like, you know what, I'm going to call it a night. There's nothing really else on. I've seen SportsCenter already through one time. Might as well go ahead and get in bed. And, of course, I get woke up early the next morning by my dad to tell me that Kawhi Leonard is on the way to the Clippers. And I was like, wow. First off, I couldn't believe that. I thought him to L.A. was a done deal. But then on top of that, he brings Paul George there with him. And, I mean, what do you think this does to the Western Conference, Bid? First of all, a 2 a.m. weekday move is the most Kawhi Leonard thing possible. But – I'm, I'm with you. I didn't think there's any way he'd go to the Clippers. I, I'm glad we waited till the day to do mm-hmm. this because I was going to come on here and say, well, the Clippers are out because there's no way he's going to get another star. I might have said that him. on Monday's podcast. <laughs> <laughs> might have, but... Hey, understandable. We all felt that way at this point, honestly. But I think that does shake up the Western Conference a good bit. I, think, I still think the Lakers are probably the team to beat out there with the additions Ooh. that they made. But the Clippers are there, right there with them. I think... Uh, Kawhi, PG-13, they've got a good core already, guys like Lou Will in there, so mm-hmm. they're going to be a tough team to beat. Um, I'm actually going to disagree with you. I think they are the team to beat in the Western Conference. I think Kawhi is the best player in the league. I mean, look, I don't think that the Lakers or the Clippers will have the best records in the regular season because, I mean, LeBron's going to sit out for load management. Let's be honest, Anthony Davis doesn't play every game in the regular season. He's known to be injury prone. And quite honestly, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say that Anthony Davis is going to get hurt because I think he'll be there to play in the playoffs. But, I mean, at the same time, the Lakers are really one Anthony Davis or LeBron trade away from having a complete dumpster fire of a roster. So that's something to keep in mind, but just looking at everything in general, I think the Clippers have the way better team here. I love the fact they brought back Patrick Beverly. I mean, Jerome Robinson's a guy I've always been high on. He led the ACC in scoring. I think he could really see his minutes shoot up. I mean, Montrez Hill, great energy guy. I like the Clippers roster over the Lakers right now. I think they probably have, honestly, I think the Clippers are the best team in the league right now, straight up. I mean, the fact you can have Kawhi and Paul George, the defensive presence they bring with the bigs they can shuffle in there. I mean, Boogie Cousins, I think, will be better. It'll be in better shape. But also, at the same time, I mean, teams are just going to go small and say pick one of the two, Davis or Boogie, to be on the floor at the end of games. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. But I do like some of the other moves they made. They went out and got Danny Green, which mm-hmm. I didn't expect. I thought he was going to follow Kawhi anywhere. Yeah, yeah. well, they thought, didn't have cap space yeah. in the Clippers. But I, th- I thought he was just going to try to find a way to make it work. Cause that's that's what Danny Green does. He's been Kawhi's wingman his whole career. Can't blame him. Yeah, for real. It's a good guy to work with. But, um, you know, I do... Think that the Clippers are one of the top teams in the NBA. I probably, I think I have them third in my power rankings okay. right now. I've got Milwaukee at number two because okay. you know, I'm a huge Giannis guy. I think Giannis and Kawhi are the top two players in the NBA right now. But the reason why I'm sticking with the Lakers is because I think LeBron and Anthony Davis. LeBron needed AD. LeBron needs a guy like that to work with. I still think they're pe- one small piece away. I think that they need to go out in free agency. I think uh, just 
a cheap piece, they could get a guy like Kyle Corver to come off the bench, a guy that LeBron could dish it out to. Yeah, apparently when Corver gets bought out, he is rumored to sign with LA, so I think that will happen. I mean, if Iguodala gets bought out too, he's going to sign with them. It's yet to be determined if he'll be bought out or not, but I mean, I agree with you. I think if they add Iguodala and Corver, it makes them a little bit better. I mean, I think these two teams will be the last, as long as they don't, as long, you know, it's kind of like the Rockets-Warriors thing. If they, yeah. if they don't meet before the conference finals, then that'll be it. But if they meet, but if not, they will meet in the conference finals with the way both rosters stand currently. Um, the the rest of the West kind of you know. Well, first off, just big NBA in general. This was a great move for the entire league. Kawhi going anywhere but the Lakers was a great move for the league, as you know, it kind of eliminates these competitive balances. Back, you don't have the one main super team where you're watching. Yep. And like, all right, there's no way they're going to lose. It's been the Warriors the last few years, and they would have won it again this year if it weren't for Kevin Durant's uh, Achilles. But you don't have that anymore. You would have if Kawhi had gone to the Lakers, which is something I was expecting. I was kind of dreading it, but I was expecting it. But having him go to the Clippers, that's awesome. Because now you have three legitimate title contenders. I don't think Golden State's a dynasty anymore. We'll have more on that later. But I still think they're a contender. They went out and got Angelo Russell on top of uh, – I mean, Clay's going to be out most of the year, but he'll be back in time for the playoffs. So they'll have uh, Steph. They'll have Draymond, Clay. D'Angelo Russell, they're still going to be a great team. And you add the Lakers and the Clippers to that, and the Houston Rockets are a wild card here. You don't mm-hmm. know what they're going to do. They still have the same core that they had. A lot of rumors about the relationship with CP3 and uh, James Harden. Yeah, I actually saw a crazy rumor today that they were uh, talking about them trying to acquire Westbrook. I mean, Ooh, I don't know how I feel about how that would work. Personally, I don't think it would work very paper, well. That's great. I don't know how it would go. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't – like, obviously – Chris Paul would get moved in that trade because you can't have Chris Paul, Westbrook, and Harden. But, I mean, that, I mean we've seen Russell Westbrook and James Harden once before, but that was before James was a superstar-level player mm-hmm. or was at least thought of as a superstar-level player yet. I don't know how it would. Uh, I don't know how that would work out. Now it'd be yeah, you know, it'd be weird. I, I I I don't know how I feel about it. I think it would definitely be better though than Harden Paul. I will say that. But yeah. if Westbrook can. You know, kind of play second tier to Harden, that would make it better. I don't think he can do it. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think, think he can either. But, I mean, I also think the Nuggets, Jazz, and Blazers, those teams can't be ruled out either in the West. I think the West really has seven teams who yeah. can win the Western Conference. Although, I think the Nuggets – see, the thing is the Nuggets and the Jazz will have great regular season records because they're good. They're really good, well-rounded teams. But on top of that, they have play at major altitudes. So, when yeah. you travel there on short rest – you know, you're playing at a disadvantage. So I think those two teams will have the best records in the Western Conference, but in the playoffs, not as much. But, I mean, the Blazers, like they said, Dame runs one of the best locker rooms in the league. Him and CJ are clutch. I mean, it's going to be tough to beat those teams. Yeah, they're a great team. And like you said, there's seven teams out West that are going to be really good teams. I think the top seven is pretty easily set. In that eighth spot, it kind of gets a little tricky from there. I'm not sure who will slide into that last spot. I know you I see you got the Kings down there. I probably have to agree with that as well. But yeah, so I mean the Spurs will be battling for it. The Mavericks. I'm, I think the Mavericks are like one year still too far ahead of themselves. Yeah. I think Porzingis needs to you know. What I was about to say we'll see how they do with Chris mm-hmm. uh, integrating Chris Stapps into that offense. And, but uh, I think I'm with you. I think I got the Kings there. They got a great young core out there, mm-hmm. but. It's going to be tough. That's pretty much the only the one spot in out west out for grabs. Yeah. In the east, I think there's two spots open. No, exactly. And I mean, the Clippers getting Kawhi. I, I had the Clippers dropping out of the playoffs, so now they have Kawhi. They're in there. I mean, I don't think the yeah, Thunder true. without Westbrook can get in there. But for the sake of time and keeping things moving here, let's move to our next point here, and that is: is the Golden State dynasty over now? Um, I'll let you go first on this one. Yeah, I think that the dynasty is over, but I think the days of them competing for titles are not over. Because you look at this, without Kevin Durant, that's a huge blow, obviously. With Clay out for the year, that's a huge blow, obviously. But, well, I guess he's not out for the entire year. We'll see how, his, uh, we'll see how he progresses as the season comes along. But they did go out and get D'Angelo Russell, and I think that's been an underrated pickup. A huge, uh, huge deal for them. I think they're still going to be a great team, but they've got one year of Draymond left, no more KD, and Clay out most of this year. Not to mention how much uh, how much stuff for the West is going to be. That two teams in LA that are better than them now. They're the third best team in California. So not only are they the third best in the conference, third in their own state, and they're moving to San Francisco. All that stuff going on for them right now. I think the dynasty's over, but I think they're still going to be a very good competitive team. Yeah, I mean, Draymond's a guy who's not going to age very well. You know, he played all four years at Michigan State, so he's already coming in the league as like a 23-year-old guy. So, 
Yeah, that doesn't age very well. Um, you know, before Kawhi went to the Clippers, I probably would have said no, it's definitely not over because, I mean, realistically, I know everyone says, oh, all, all Clay Thompson does is shoot the three ball. You know, like they, they all lean on that side of Clay Thompson. The way I look at it with Clay Thompson is, I mean, nobody who comes back, they're going to be rusty. You know, he's going to be a little yeah. out of shape, which will affect his shooting and his playing. He's not going to be able to play as many minutes. I mean, let's face it, guys. Anybody who comes back off a major injury like that is going to be a little off for at least one season. It doesn't matter who it is. They're going to be off for at least one season. And I think that'll affect them this year. And next year, I could see the Warriors taking the Lakers out in the playoffs. Because, I mean, they could still deal D'Angelo Russell for a better piece in the future, which I've heard many rumors of. And, I mean, when Draymond becomes a free agent, I mean, it could be D'Angelo Russell for two players. I mean, that frees up a ton of cap space. D'Angelo is on a max Draymond's on a $20 million plus dollar contract, so I mean, frees up a lot of good space. Plus, I love the fact they added Willie Cauley-Stein. I don't want to say the Warriors, you know, like, a part of me says the dynasty is over, because I don't know if they can beat the Clippers like that, but I mean, because, you know, they just don't match up well with Kawhi and Paul George, but at the same time, I, this Warriors team's going to be scary, and I think they can still make some changes, but I would say... I still think the Warriors, let's put it this way, will be. It's, I still think they're going to be a threat Tyler in the West for a long yeah. time. As long as yeah. they got Curry and Thompson, you can never rule that team. Yeah, out. I agree with that. There's two two uh, superstar level guys out there. They love it out there. The fans love them. They're going to compete as long as the two of them are in uniform. But the dynasty, like you look at what they've done, they're retiring Kevin Durant's number. He was only there for a few years. They know that that was the dynasty. They know that that's pretty much walking out the door with him and with plays ACL, but I mean, they're still going to compete. That, with this team, you can't not compete. They're still going to be, I think, the three seed in the West. They're still going to be a top ten team in all of the NBA. Probably top five team in all of the NBA. Mm -hmm. But unless you're consistently up there as the number one out there winning titles, I wouldn't consider it a dynasty. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, I, I absolutely agree with you there. Dynasty is kind of like, you know, like the Heat where like the, they had yeah. they had Kevin Durant. But let's keep it moving here once again. And our next question is, can the Hawks make the playoffs in the East? And I'll start us off on this one. And I say absolutely. So as of right now, the way I have the East shaking up, this is my kind of way too early NBA uh, first. How I think the regular season will finish. Obviously, these teams, I don't think it'll be the same way in the playoffs because, you know, part of it's also, we saw with the clip, or we've seen with many teams in the past, it's about getting the playoffs, yeah. you know, and you can do what you do from there. I mean, the Warriors have always been like that. It always will be the Hawks like, back in the day, the one seed get in there and get bounced. Like, yeah, I mean, playoffs are different. that was just some tough turns. I mean, J.R. Smith dropping 37 piece on her head game one. The injuries, you know, it was that was, I don't even want to talk about it. It still makes me mad to think about it this day. But I got the Bucks at one, the 76ers at two, Pacers at three, Nets at four, Celtics five. I have the Hawks at six. Raptors at seven and the Magic at eight. I mean, there's going to be, there's definitely a lot of fringe playoff teams that are going to be battling out for that last spot there. I think the five, I think one though through five are pretty set in stone for the Bucks through the Celtics. The Hawks have some young pieces that I think they'll be able to bring together as a team, and they have some good savvy veterans on the team as well. And I really like the young roster that we've constructed, and I think this is definitely a playoff team. Yeah, I think there's a really good chance that this is a playoff team. The way I see it, it's pretty similar, but I think Toronto, I got Toronto at six. I think it'll be Milwaukee, Boston, Philly, Indiana, Brooklyn, Toronto. Okay. I think the last two seeds are completely up for grabs. I think Atlanta's going to compete, Detroit's going to compete, Orlando's going to compete. And I think with Jimmy Buckets, Miami's going to compete. Not a popular choice, but I think he'll be enough to at least push them for contention for that playoff spot. But if I had to guess right now, I think I'd give it to Atlanta and to Detroit and we were talking Russell Westbrook earlier. I've seen some rumors about him going to Detroit as well. Jeez. So, I mean, if that happens, then i definitely throw them in there. But as of right now, I've got the Hawks 7. i got them at 8. Yeah, I mean, that would be the, – the, the Pistons have acquired a lot of good pieces to move because the Bucks just keep dumping players. And, you know, they've yeah. been – it's kind of weird. They've been able to be a playoff team, but they've still been able to take on assets and eat salaries, which is kind of a smart way of doing things. But, you know, I think that – I think you know. I thought. By the way, I know we didn't say this earlier, but I thought the Thunder absolutely smart move of what they did with Paul George. Yeah, they know they've got they first round picks for years now. They've yeah, got several first round picks over the next. And they what, have four years. Yeah, five? and they have that unprotected Heat pick, which is huge yeah. because that's in the twenty twenty one draft, which is the first one where high school players will be allowed to go oh. straight out of high school again. So that's to be big time, but. I think the way the East shakes out right now, the Hawks will absolutely be in the playoffs. I mean, last year, I mean, you were actually the one who pointed this out to me. When we got hot last year, you were the one who pointed – I forget how, but you pointed it out to me because I was, like, saying something about 
wow, the Hawks have been on fire since like this point in the season. You're like, yeah, since John Collins, John Collins came back. I mean, if we had John Collins all season long, probably could have been that eight seed. Like realistically, the Hawks probably could have been that eight seed if we could have had John Collins come back and Trey Young. I mean, they were both last year close to being 2010 guys. Trey averaged 19 points, 8 assists, and John Collins 19.5 points and 9.8 rebounds. Who's really three big games away from hitting that 2010 mark? And I think with Lloyd Pierce, he's a great coach to have mm-hmm. for this young talent. I think Lloyd, between Lloyd Pierce and Trey Young, his excellent passing ability and uh, court vision, I think that'll help unlock Cam Reddish's potential and adding DeAndre Hunter to that's just icing on the cake. Yeah, plus the way we play, it'll open a lot of three. I mean, Reddish and Hunter are knocked down from those corner oh, yeah. threes, and that's the kind of threes we're trying to get, not to mention Herter as well can absolutely spray. So, I mean, I, I really can't wait to watch this Hawks team. Like, this is what I've been waiting for for years, for years now is the Hawks to have a team like this. It'll be fun to watch, especially over the next few years is because – there's so much cap space available mm-hmm. next season. There's so much coming off the books. Got Chandler Parsons, Evan Turner, all these guys will be off Alan the books. Crabb, Alan Crabb. Yeah. So next offseason is going to be really interesting for the Hawks. I think this year they could definitely get that seven seed, maybe eight seed. But I think next year, if they can make the right moves, I think they'll be up there. I think they'll be as good as anybody at the East. They have the potential for it. Absolutely. I think the Hawks will get the six seed. I'm a little more positive with the Hawks, so – I like it either way. Six or seven, I'll take it. Um, let's move here now to our last NBA topic before we go to the MLB, and that is, is Kimba Walker the most impactful move this offseason in the East? Um, I'll let you go first on this one, Ben. Uh, yeah, I think he is because with Kimba Walker, you're getting – he's not quite Kyrie, but it's just about a Kyrie-level play without the Kyrie attitude and the Kyrie ego. And I think having a guy like Kemba in there with the young core that the Celtics have is going to be a lot better for them as a team than having Kyrie there. Obviously, they need to get something out of the worst free agent signing in history of Gordon Gordon Hayward. They need to get something out of him. But if you can uh, compare Kemba and Kyrie last year, Kemba 25 points a game, Kyrie 23, uh, just a little bit under six assists, Kyrie a little bit under seven assists. I think Kemba's points will drop a little bit and his assists will go up a little bit, being surrounded by a better team. Uh, the percentages Kyrie had him a little bit. It was forty nine to forty three, and then forty to thirty six from three. But that's a little misleading to me because I think Kemba kind of felt like he had to take every shot last year. He hundred percent no did. talent around. Yeah, him. Kyrie could dish it out to guys. He had a, he had a good bit a, a good bit of talent. My dog's whining in the background. A good bit of talent, Captain. Shut up. <laughs> um, so I think that that'll help him out coming to the East or already in the East coming to the Celtics. I think that'll help him out. He'll have a better opportunity. He'll have better shots to take, and he won't feel like he needs to take every shot. I think the percentages will come up. And like I said, you're getting just about Kyrie's level of play without Kyrie's problems. Yeah, see, I actually think Hayward is the most key player on Boston. I think that I think it'll be better this season because, like I said about players returning off injuries, you know, it takes a year or so more. But I actually don't think he's the most impactful move in the East. I actually think the most impactful free agency move is, you know, it's tough. I'm between Kyrie Irving and KD. Just because we won't see KD this year, I won't give it to him. I'm actually, if KD was playing, I'd 100%. Oh, yeah, it's a, no, it's a no-brainer. But I'm actually going to go with Al Horford to the 76ers here. I think that Al Horford's a big-time move because it kind of changes the way this team plays. Personally, I don't like it, though, because it's a three-point shooting league. But I do think at the same time in a three-point shooting league, if you can force teams to have to go big and match up with your big men, this is why I also am not as big on the Celtics because Ennis Cantor has to fast because of Ramadan in the playoffs. Yeah. So he's next to worthless when it comes to playing against bigs. So the Celtics have no bigs to bang against them. So they're basically going to have to run and shoot them off the floor. I think Milwaukee can do a better job of it. But, I mean, Horford, he's a great locker room guy. He's a mature guy. I think losing him was the bigger blow than losing Kyrie to the Celtics, and I think ultimately that's going to end up being the biggest, I think that's going to end up being the most impactful move. Yeah, that makes sense. I thought about the impact he had on Philly when I was making this decision. I hadn't even considered the impact that he was having on Boston by leaving, too, though. That's something that, that is definitely something to think about. Like you said, the big men they have now, because they have Joel Embiid, too, and that guy's, I mean, you saw him crying, so you might not want to call him a monster now, but he's a complete monster, and mm-hmm. he knows what he's doing out there. I still have Philly at the three, but I could definitely see them pushing Boston and Milwaukee up there. They might be the best. Yeah, but I mean, Milwaukee. also at the same time, your alternate angle to that would be if, if Kimba, Jalen, and uh, Jason Tatum and 
Gordon Hayward can just knock down threes. They'll shoot them right off the floor because, you know, Ben Simmons plays big too, so he's basically playing with three centers on the floor, through two centers and a back-to-the-basket power forward. But for the sake of keeping things moving, we'll move here now to the MLB. And we'll start here with kind of me and Ben looking back at some predictions we had for each division and for what teams we're going to buy or sell for each division that are kind of still contenders. We'll start out things with the AL East here. And obviously the Yankees top dog right now in the AL East, and I'm absolutely buying the Yankees. I mean, the fact they've been this good with all the injuries that they've had to their team, they'll get Severino back right in time for the playoffs. Um, you know, this, this Yankees team, I mean, they got um, Dylan Batanzas coming back too in time for the playoffs. Uh, a couple other other batters, you know, the, the Yankees team is stacked. You know, the Yankees are always down to go spend money and get what they need. So I'm a hundred percent buying the Yankees, and I actually have them coming out of the AL right now. Yeah, you know, I'd, I'd have to agree with that. I love the uh, the way that they've played so far this year with all the injuries they've had, how they've battled. They've had a lot of guys step up. BJ LeMahieu has been unbelievable Unreal. For them this year. On fire Gio right Rochelle now. Rochelle has really stepped up for them. Um, it's I don't know. It's fun to watch them right now. They're Probably the best team in the American League. The Astros are close. The Twins offensively are close, but I just their pitching is nowhere near that. I, I'm definitely buying the Yankees out of the AL East and possibly out of the AL in general. Yeah, um, and the rest of the teams in the division, I know I was a buyer on Tampa at the beginning of the season. I believe I had them as a wild card. I'm actually selling Tampa Bay. Their pitching hasn't been as well. These openers, they've been using this strategy, seems to be catching up to them. They started out the gates pretty hot. The hitting as well as cool off. We've seen Austin Meadows now drop down to about 280 when he was hitting up in the 320s earlier in the year. Tommy Tommy Pham's the one guy in the lineup I trust, but the rest of these guys, I mean, Brandon Loud just went to the DL. So, I mean, I feel like everything's kind of <clears throat> starting to fall apart quick in Tampa. I think they needed this all-star break, and so I'm selling Tampa Bay. I agree with that last point, but I'm still buying Tampa Bay. They definitely needed this break. But they have the pieces. They're going to make moves at the deadline to get another bat. Okay. And the pitchers are getting tired. I, the opener strategy is definitely coming back on them a little bit. But they've had a couple starters really step up this year. Charlie Morton has been unreal. Leads the American League in ERA. Uh, Yanni Chirinos has come out of nowhere. He's been incredible for them. They When's Glasnow supposed to come back? I'm honestly, I'm not sure. He's, he's out for a little while. But he'll be back. And that will be a huge boost for them. Blake Snell has been terrible this year, but he's still Blake Snell. He's pitched he's well his last two starts, yeah, too. Yeah, you know what he's capable of. If he can build on that and he can have a big second half, then you got to buy their rotation. And guys like Jose Alvarado and Diego Castillo, that have been struggling a little bit of late. They just sent Alvarado back. back to the DL, actually, today. So, oh, well, yeah, he's on my fantasy team. That's, that's, why, why, yeah, that's <laughs> why he's been struggling. There we go. Yeah. We have a reason. But he's lights out. He's one of the most dominant pitchers in baseball right now. So when he's back, that'll be huge for them. Brandon Lowe's going to come back. Austin Meadows is slumping. That happens. I'm still buying him long-term. I'm still buying him for the rest of the yeah, season. Yeah, I'm definitely buying him long-term, but I don't know about the rest of the season. I feel like he's you know, I feel like he's still young and getting better, but Glasnow is supposed to be back at some point. So I kind of like how we disagree here that yeah, you're buying. Yeah, you keep all of that stuff in consideration with Alvarado coming back, Snell hopefully getting it together, Brandon Lowe coming back, Glass now coming back. I got to buy Tampa Bay, and that's mostly because I don't like a lot of teams in the American League right now. I don't like what a lot of teams are doing. Okay. Boston looks like they've been up and down. They kind of look like a dumpster fire. Oh, I'm definitely year. selling Boston. That pitching is horrible. Boston. Outside of David Price, and I think Price got kind of hit, beat up pretty good today, too. Yeah. You know, I'm, I can't. That's what I think the Red Sox' main problem is: is the pitching. You know, Porcello hasn't been as good. Um, Rodriguez hasn't been as good. Just the. I've never really been a big uh, Rick Porcello guy, honestly. Though I thought, I mean, he had that one big Cy Young year. Mm-hmm. Outside of that, I've never been high on him. wasn't a big fan of him in Detroit. Now, I haven't been a huge fan of him in Boston. And not to mention the way that the Texas Rangers have been struggling the last couple weeks. So that's just one more reason why I'm buying Tampa Bay right now. I think okay. they can still be a playoff team. I think they're going to get that first wild card spot. Um, back to Boston a little bit. I'm also selling them because that bullpen is absolutely atrocious. I mean, I don't that but when that they bullpen knew it coming into the season too. They yeah, knew it, they didn't address it. They, they had to pay Kimbrel. Not paying him was. Very foolish, but I mean, I'm completely out on the Red Sox, and I mean, it kind of reminds me of these all these Red Sox teams they've had in the past. Typically, after they win the World Series, I think two out of the last three times they've done it, they've missed the playoffs. So yeah, and a couple big reasons why they haven't been what they've been. Like we've talked about the pitching, the rotation's been mediocre at best. 
the bullpen's been terrible, but some of the big bats from last year have not done anything to help this year. Andrew Benintendi's been roughly league average. I mean, they're getting good production from behind the plate in Christian Vasquez. That was pretty much mm-hmm. unexpected. They thought he'd be solid, but you look at what he's actually done over the course of the season. He's got good numbers. He's got hitting 299, 14 home runs, and an 852 OPS. He's been one of the best catchers in all of baseball this year. And it just hasn't been enough because he's carrying the load with Rafael Devers. Mookie Betts and J.D. Martinez yep. have both been good, but they haven't been great. They I wouldn't say the elite level Mookie player. to me has been below average. I mean, he's a career 300 hitter. and he's He's been below average for Mookie, but as far as regular players go, I still think he's been pretty good, but they need better than that from him. He they could, need MVP caliber. Yeah, and you know, part of it could be the World Series thing. I mean, they're not completely out of it. I am definitely selling on them, but I mean, if these guys, Mookie and them, can get hot, I think they can make it close, but that bullpen and the pitching is what's going to kill them. They're going to need to address that for sure. Mm-hmm. Let's move here now to the AL Central, and I actually picked the Twins to win this division, bid pick the Indians, but I'm actually going to buy the Indians now. The Indians are on fire right now. Um, I actually have a stat for y'all. I'll um, as I pulled up, I'll keep talking though. But this is a team that's a little beat up, you know, and they're starting to get guys back. Kluber's going to be back soon for them, which will be a huge boost. Um, they get finally got back Clevenger, although he's been getting killed lately. They have still buying Clevenger though. Um, the Indians though, they had a um, they finished off on a six game win streak, and they have sixteen and five in their last twenty one games. They host Minnesota when they come back. They've cut the lead now, I believe, to five games. So, I mean, the Indians are right there, and I mean, they they played above 500 baseball and kept their heads above water, and kind of, and they did, they started the season with Lindor on the IL. So, I mean, that's they're probably their best player. So, it's the fact that they battled through all these injuries and are at the point they're at. I think the Indians can come back and win this division, and they're for, I for sure have them making the playoffs, whether it's a division winner or the wild card. I think they have a really good shot at that, and I mean, like you said, that 16 and five run was huge for them because they were looking at selling. If two or three weeks ago. Bauer was going to be out the door. Brad Hand was going to be out the door. But right now, it's not as clear. Right now, they might go for it. And one guy that really deserves a lot of the credit for that is Carlos Santana. Mm-hmm. Huge year for him coming back this year. He's back in Cleveland where it all started, hitting just a tick below 319 home runs, OPS up at 958. He's always been able to take his walks. He's always been an elite on base percentage guy, up over 400 again this year. But... The power, we haven't seen power like this from Carlos Santana since, I don't know, 2016, maybe 2015. 24 home runs last year, 23 the year before that. He's been pretty consistent with power, but he's already got 19. He's looking like a high 30s, possibly even 40 home runs kind of guy right now. And that's what the Indians needed, especially because Jose Ramirez has just not been the same this year. He fell off in the second half pretty hard last year, but it looked like it was just going to be a slump and he bounced back. But this year, hitting just 218 on base percentage, pretty much right at 300. And he only has seven home runs compared to the 39 that he hit last year. He hasn't been the same guy at all. And there's no real excuse for it either. He's been healthy for most of the year. He just hasn't been the same type of guy right now, and they really needed him to be that guy if they wanted to beat the Twins, which I didn't think the Twins would pose much of a threat because of their pitching, but they're, they haven't really needed much pitching, and they've had a couple guys step up for them. Jose Barrios have always been huge on but Jake Odorizzi this year turned back the clock on us, and he's been really good. But he's also kind of regressed lately. He's been hit his last couple starts. They sent him to the DL, so, I mean, you don't know if that's one of those. Put him on the DL, let him get right, or if he actually has an injury. So, you know, Odorizzi, you know, I just can't buy in on this in, on the uh, Twins hitting. I mean, not hitting, the pitching. I just feel like the starting pitching's not good enough. The bullpen's not elite. You know, I think that's ended up screwing him over. I have the Twins kind of... I think they're going to lose this lead in the division, and I think they'll end up losing in that wild game. I think it's game. funny how uh, at the beginning of the year you called the Twins over the Indians, and I said Indians over Twins, and now I've got it backwards. Yeah. Now I'm on the Twins because the rotation is pretty suspect. Barrios is the man, but I don't, I'm not really high on uh, Jake Odorizzi either. I don't think he can keep up what he's been doing this year, even when he comes back from the I.L., but the bats have been huge for them, and I think they make a move for an arm, whether it's Madison Bumgarner. I think one guy would be a great fit for them right now is Zach Wheeler from New York Mets. Um, but you look at the bats, some of these guys, 
they signed uh, Jorge Polanco and Max Kepler to extensions right before the year started, and they've They're, rewarded them. Yeah, those guys are going off right now. I mean, Polanco, Polanco, in my opinion, is probably the best shortstop in the AL this season. He might be. He's up there for sure. I mean, these are two guys. Polanco hitting over three hundred. Um, he's got what 12, 13 home runs, thirteen home runs. And then Max Kepler also got rewarded with that big payday, and he's come back and he's hit 21 home runs with an 860 OPS for them. That's been huge. Um, Byron Buxton finally looking like the guy that they've been saying he was mm-hmm. for years. Used to be a consensus number one prospect, playing still playing elite level defense, OPS up over 800, nine home runs, 12 stolen bases, and he missed some time. So he's been great this year when he's been healthy. Marwin Gonzalez after that. Horrible start. Seems to figure things out. He finally got healthy too. Yeah, he's finally healthy. He's finally got, playing pretty well. Got Sano back finally. I mean, Sano's been back for a while, but they started the season without him. I mean, adding Nelson Cruz, obviously, that's a big bopper to have in your lineup there. Yeah, Sano looking like the guy that he was two years ago has been huge for them. He was an All Star in 2017. Hit 28 home runs in just 114 games. Last year, he was banged up when he was on the field. He wasn't any good. He was having mm-hmm. problems off the field. But having him back has been huge for them. And I'm really buying their offense. And I think if the rotation – I think the rotation will be fine if they go out and get a Zach Wheeler or go out and get a Madison Bumgarner. And we'll have more on that later as well. Yeah, also Rosario, too, 20 jacks, 60 yeah, RBIs. Great. Yeah, he's been killing the ball. Um, so moving here now to the AL West. Um I'm going to buy the Astros, and I assume you are too. Yeah, that's that's a pretty easy choice. <laughs> yeah. right they've been great ever since the completion of their rebuild a couple years ago, and they're just getting better. And they went out, they finished up the rebuild, and then went out and got Justin Verlander and Garrett Cole, and then you got to buy the Astros. Yeah, I don't think anybody would sell them. Yeah, and they had Springer, Tuve, and uh, Correa is still on the DL, but they had all three of them hit the DL at the same time and won nine out of ten games in that the first ten days. They were all on the DL, so I mean, there's no way not to, but I'm actually buying another team from this division, and I know that I picked them to make the playoffs. I don't remember if Bid did or not, but that's the Angels. I'm actually very high on the Angels still. I think that Skaggs, um, RIP, I mean, that was a very sad story. Very tragic, but I actually think that'll be what gives this team the push that they need to make the playoffs here is they're not sitting too many games back. I think they're sitting four games out from being the wild card right now. So I think that's going to give this team the push they need, and I think there'll be buyers at the trade deadline and add a few more pieces to help. I'm pretty split on them because losing Tyler Skaggs, that that might motivate them a little bit, but that's a huge blow both on the field and in the clubhouse. He was a universally beloved guy. Everybody that played with him, raved about how great of a guy he was and how horrible of a loss this was. I mean, like you said, it probably will motivate them some, but that's a huge blow to lose him. And not to mention, Tommy Lestella's out for eight to ten weeks, I believe. Mm-hmm. So that's another huge blow for them. He came out of nowhere this year having a career. Yeah, year. he had more home runs in like the first month and a half that he yeah, had his entire career. career. Yeah, and it kind of I kind of hated to see him go to the IL too right before the yeah. All Star break with that foot because he's going to be an All Star first yeah. time in his career, and he uh, definitely earned it. But also looking through the rest of this division. I just I can't buy in on Texas. Texas home road splits are too. They're kind of free fall. Yeah, right now too. and the home road splits are too on and off. For, you know, like they're they're really good at home. The road not great. I think that they're like you said they're in a free fall right now. I don't think the pitching is quite that good. Mike Miner's been lights out, but the rest of the pitching is very hit or miss. You don't know what you're going to get every night. I'm actually the team I can't decide if I want to buy or sell or not is the A's still. The A's are kind of hot right now. They've been hitting the ball well. They got a lot of good players on that team. If the pitching, if they can keep the pitching where it's at, I think they can maybe make a push. See, yeah, I see. I just I can't buy the A's. I feel like there's not enough there, but they continue to prove me wrong. I said the same thing about them last year. I didn't think they had enough there, and then they had all these guys step up, do their jobs way better than they should have, made the playoffs last year, and it could happen again this year. Matt Chapman is incredible, best defensive player in all of baseball, between him and Andrelton Simmons right there. He and he can hit, just replace Christian Yelich in the home run derby. Well, and the Angels do get well. do get Simmons back later in the season. Yeah. But Matt Chapman and Matt Olson, they've got some good pieces out there in Oakland. I don't think it'll be enough, but they've proved me wrong before. Yeah, if anything, the A's have definitely proven us wrong before. Yeah. So. See what happens there, but the A's are the one team that I can't really get a grip on which way I want to go with yet. Let's move here now to the NL. Start with the NL East, and 
obviously me and Bitter both buying the Braves. Yeah, you have to. I mean, we've, we said at the beginning of the season, one prediction we had is looking pretty good right now. We both said that the uh, Los Angeles Dodgers and Atlanta Braves are going to be the top two teams in the NL. Dodgers, that was pretty much a consensus pick. With the Braves, not a lot of people were saying that. But we thought with the young pitching that they had and with the young just the young core they have in general, that there'd be a lot of growth this year. We thought Josh Donaldson would step in and do a great job. And after a rocky start, the bringer of rain is bringing rain yet again. And he's looking great right now. Those do look like the top two teams in the NL. So, of course, I'm buying Atlanta. Yeah, I mean, Atlanta at home, that offense cannot be stopped. I actually think playoff-wise, it's going to be very tough for anybody to go into Atlanta and win. The only thing is it's going to be very tough to beat the Dodgers because, I mean, they're just going to go to a three-man rotation. They're going to throw Bueller, Kershaw, and Ryu at you. So, I mean, that's going to be – tough to beat. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's going to be very tough to beat. But another team, too, actually, in our division that I'm buying is the Nationals. The Nationals were rated as the most unlucky team in baseball throughout the first couple months. You know, they finally – Figured everything out. Even Rendon even went to the IL, and they're still hitting the ball well. I mean, this team has got a nice rotation with Strasburg, Scherzer, and Corbin. So, I mean, that's going to be tough to deal with. I think the Nationals can be scary and make the wild card. I mean, I think they they are they tied with the, the Phillies. Or? Yeah, they uh, as of yesterday anyway. They they've been one of the best teams in baseball over the last month. Um, yes, yeah, them and the Braves are the two yeah, hottest teams in baseball. Max Scherzer has been unreal. He's been good all year, but after he broke his nose, came out the next day, shut, I can't remember who he was pitching against, but he threw a shutout, struck out 10. He's been dealing ever since then. I think he's still going to, I think he's going to sneak up behind the other Cy Young contenders like Ryu and Soroka. I think he's going to sneak up behind them and he's going to win the award. Yeah, his last eight starts, he has a .84 ERA. Ridiculous. Yeah, Max is back. I mean, he looked like he was regressing at the beginning of the season, but he's finally woken up. I think he needed a little bit just to pitch himself into shape. You've got him, and you've got a surefire MVP candidate in Anthony Rendon, which, I mean, any other year he'd be an MVP candidate. But right now we've got two guys pretty much running away with it by themselves. But he's an MVP caliber guy. They're talking about an extension now. Finally, they waited till about the last minute to do that. But Scott Boris did meet with the Nationals earlier this week to talk about that. But I'm definitely buying the Nats. I think they'll be the wild card team. I think they'll probably get the first wild card spot out of the National League, actually, because I think the NL Central is going to beat on uh, beat each other up a good bit. Uh, I still think they'll have a representative there, but I think they'll be the second spot because I mean, there's three teams right there. Actually, pretty much all five teams are in contention right now. Yeah, four and a half. Reds four and a half games, man. Place, four and a half games back, so they're going to beat up on each other a good bit. Josh Bell has pushed the Pirates a little bit further than they thought they were going to get. So that whole division is going to beat up on each other pretty good. So I have Washington in the first wild card spot coming out of the National League. Yeah, I do too. Um, before we get to the NL Central, um, I want to sell on the Phillies real quick. Yeah. I think that Harper, you know, is obviously has not been the player they thought he was going to to be. Ari, Arietta as well has been awful. I mean, he got shelled again Just last night by the Mets. Also. Oh wow! One thing I will say for Jake Arietta though, Jake Arietta is awesome. Did you see his interview after the game? No. Something, a little dust up with Todd Frazier over a changeup that got away from him. Todd Frazier freaked yeah, out. Callaway freaked out about it, too. Yeah, Callaway freaks out about everything. But they interviewed Jake Arietta after the game. They said, oh, well, if he wants to talk, you can come find me after the game. I'll put a dent in his skull. I love it. <laughs> I love that. But still selling the Phillies. Bryce Harper, if you compare him to an average player, he's still been a little bit above average. But if you're paying that guy $330 million, he's got to be an elite level player. But I will still not. say this. He still has the presence when he steps in the box. You're oh, like, he does. Bryce Harper's at bat, you know? Anytime he steps up to the plate, there's a good chance he could hit a ball 450 feet off of you. But he's not an elite MVP caliber player. And if you're paying somebody $300 million to play for you, they need to be that guy. Another One prediction that I did have that's looking pretty good about Philly, though, Earlier in the year, I said they went out and got Bryce, they went out and got JT, they went out and got Andrew McCutcheon, but Reese Hoskins will establish himself as the best hitter in that lineup, and he's done that so far this year. Reese Hoskins has been great. Aaron Nola finally looks to be getting himself back together after the really tough start of the season that he had. He's got his ERA back down under four with his start today. But I'm still selling Philly for the year. And a lot of the fans now are taking to Twitter saying, oh, well, this wasn't supposed to be the year anyway. Stop. Yeah, shut up. You went out, you spent 
what, $500 million this uh-huh. offseason, and you think that it's a rebuilding year, get out of here with that. Selling the Phillies, they're going to wind up in third place, and then the Mets are an absolute dumpster fire, so we don't even really need yeah, we won't, we won't even. So the Mets aren't worth our breath on this podcast. Um, next, let's go back to the NL Central here. Like we said, four and a half games separate the teams top to bottom. And first team we'll start with since they are, I guess, wow, I guess the Brewers are half a game back now because the Cubs have played one less than them. But the Brewers, I'm selling because they have a, ne- the main reason being, they have run a differential. negative run differential. And I mean, when they're at home, they're a great team, but on the road they're horrible and I just can't get behind them with that. I'm pretty split on the Brewers right now because they do have the talent. Uh, Travis Shaw providing nothing has been pretty bad for them, but Mike Moustakis is having a pretty good year. Christian Yelich has been unbelievable. Uh, they need, they might But Yelich's home much. road splits, you know, they really yeah, scare. he's a good hitter on the road. He's, he's only Christian Yelich in Miller Park, but Especially with the power numbers. Look, his, I think his first 14 home runs of the year or something like that were all at home. And it's just ridiculous what he's been able to do in that park, which it's not a pitcher's park, but it's never been considered one of the elite hitters' parks up there with Coors Field and everything like that. But his home road splits this year, 21 of his 31 home runs have come at home. 38 home games he's got 21 home runs 44 on the road and he's got uh 10 there so yeah. it's it's pretty crazy what he's been able to do at home the run differential's not there i've been selling their pitching from day one yeah like guys like zach davies like i feel like he's definitely regressing he's regress some I, I like zach davies as a solid number three maybe number two guy but i don't like him leading the charge for them i think they need to go get an arm and I think if, when the, it was looking like Washington was going to sell, they would have been the perfect fit for Anthony Rendon, but Washington's not selling now. Mm-hmm. Rendon's not going anywhere. So I think the Brewers are kind of in trouble. I think having Keston Hira calling him back up is going to be a big move for them. He was pretty good, and then they sent him back down for Travis Shaw, who came back and was terrible again. So they've, they've got their problems. Jesus Aguilar has been nowhere he's near four, the guy. He's not even hitting his weight. We, we all, yeah. Since yeah, the, that's pretty hard to do, though. Yeah, right since the All-Star break, yeah, it's not very hard to do for him. Since the All-Star break last year, though, he completely fell off. He's hitting like 320 at last year's All-Star break. He hit the he finished the season barely hitting 270. I mean, that's the thing. I, I didn't think he was the guy that he was last year, but I definitely didn't think he was this bad. I thought he would be a 250-type guy, OPS right around 8, hits you 25, 30 home runs. He's got, what, six home runs this year? He's been nowhere near the guy that he was, and the Brewers needed that. So they may be a few pieces short of what they need right now. I think if they make those moves at the deadline, that they have what it takes to get that second spot because the Cardinals have been pretty unimpressive to me. But at the same time, if the Cardinals go out and make those moves at the deadline, they could be the team that gets there. And you can't sleep on the Cincinnati Reds right now either. They were buried a couple weeks ago. I think they were at their worst, mm-hmm. like 11 games back or something like that. Four and a half games back right now. Yasiel Puig's finally figured things out. Luis Castillo's been lights out. Bonafide Cy Young candidate right now. Sonny Gray's pitching pretty well. Tanner Roark's pitching pretty well. Things are looking good in Cincinnati, but it might be too little, too late. I don't know if that's enough for them right now. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Can't buy into Cincinnati. Obviously, Pittsburgh's very streaky. We've seen Pittsburgh go through stretches where they look like they couldn't beat a minor league baseball team. Yeah. Then we see them go through stretches where they look like world beaters. So I mean, a Pittsburgh and Cincinnati. I'm out on both of them. I think they're way too streaky. The Cardinals. Back to them. For as bad as they've been this season, the fact that they're still sitting at 500 to me is kind of shocking. I feel yeah. like the pitching has been very, I mean, Wainwright, Flaherty, all these pitchers for them. I feel like they've been very, Waka, all of them just very subpar. Um, Michael Waka's kind of been a disappointment the last few years, though. Mm-hmm. A couple of years ago in the playoffs, he was looking like an ace yeah. in the wings coming up. Thought he was going to be one of the elite pitchers in baseball, and it just hasn't really worked out that way. Yeah, uh, m- Losing Jordan Hicks, too, is a huge blow for their bullpen. And mm-hmm. What's... Uh, who was I about to talk about? Miles Mikolas. Yeah, I was about to talk about him too. Last year, great year for them. Signed an extension, came back, and pitching a little below league average now. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I just feel like Cardinals, you know, they've just got all these pitchers that are just very, very average for them. 
Then you go look at the hitting and all these guys as well are just having like Paul Goldschmidt hitting 254, you know, 16 home runs. It's not the Paul Goldschmidt that we've come yeah. to know when he was in Arizona. I mean, Paul DeYoung, 13 home runs, hitting 258. He had 11 home runs a month into the season. He's completely cooled off. Matt Carpenter, I mean, 216, 10 home runs, but he is a guy that's like the he, way he. That's the way Matt Carpenter operates, though. He's either the worst hitter mm-hmm. in your lineup or he's the best hitter in your lineup. Depends on the month. I will say this, though. Jose Martinez, he hadn't been hitting a lot of home runs, but he's still hitting 285, which is a lot better than I was expecting from him. So he's been hitting the ball better. But guys like Harrison Bader, you want, you, want to see these, you want to see these young guys step up in the order for them. And I think that – no, I think the Cardinals can get hot. We saw them get hot last year, the second half of the season. I am actually am going to buy the Cardinals still. I think that they can get hot, and I think they're going to make some moves at the deadline here to shake it up a little bit. You mentioned Harrison Bader and – that's one, that's probably the guy I've been most disappointed in with this team because that was a guy that I predicted this year would have a huge breakout mm-hmm. year. This was going to be the year he put himself on the map because he looked pretty good last year. Uh, can't, they called him up a little bit into the season. Defense was elite. He was just flashing all these tools, legit five-tool guy. 205 with six home runs this year just hasn't really been cutting it for them. But one guy that I do want to give a shout-out to for them, rookie right at uh, rookie right-hander Daniel Ponce de Leon, 27 years old. He's got a 2.16 ERA and six starts this year. He's been unbelievable for them. Or actually, pardon me, half of those have been starts, and then half of those have been out of the bullpen. If I'm the Cardinals, I'm putting them in the rotation full time with the state of their rotation right now. But he's been unreal for them. He's been a big reason why they've been able to hang around 500. Yeah, let's touch on the Cubs here in the NL West real quick, and then get to our last two quick things. Just for the sake of keeping things moving, we're running a little long. But the Cubs, are you buying or selling? I'm buying. Uh, Craig Kimbrell edition, obviously, so far has not gone as planned. But I still think long-term, Craig's going to be fine. They rushed him pretty quick. Because, I mean, the Braves called up Dallas Keuchel pretty quick, too. He's been throwing simulated games this whole time. He was staying loose. He'd th- thrown 102 pitches in a simulated game before they signed him. Craig Kimbrell had been working out and been throwing bullpens. He hadn't been doing all that. They uh, bring him in, they give him three innings in the minor leagues, and then they call him up. He needed more than that, and it's shown so far he's been really bad for them off their really rocky start. But I'm still buying the Cubs. Uh, the rotation's decent. Losing Cole Hamels is a big blow, but he'll be back. He's been one of their he's been their best pitcher this year. Yeah, he's been one of the best pitchers in baseball yeah. this year. One of only eight guys in the league with an ERA below three. We'll have more on that later as well. But offensively, the Cubs are one of the best teams in baseball. They've got one of the best lineups in baseball. Mm-hmm. Anthony Rizzo, Chris Bryant, Javi Baez, Wilson Contreras, the best catcher in baseball. They're looking good. I gotta buy the Cubs. Yeah, I gotta buy the Cubs as well. I'm a little back and forth on it, but I mean, like you said, they're just way too stacked. I mean, the pitching hasn't been there, and that's been the main problem for them. But I think this, the, the how stacked the Cubs are, this lineup, this team, they're gonna figure it out. Joe Madden, everything. You know, they've been there, they've won that championship before. I just don't see any way that they can't seem to figure things out. And like you said, I mean, they added Kimbrel, and he's only gonna keep getting better, and that's only gonna make this team better. I mean, we saw how good they were in that Chapman coming out of the bullpen. So. It's kind of the same thing there. Um, let's move now to the AL West. Um, for the sake of things, I mean, we're not going to talk about the Dodgers. We yeah. all know how good the Dodgers That's are. Buying the Dodgers. Yeah. I'm talking Dodgers next. Yeah. Um, I'm actually going to sell on the Arizona Diamondbacks. Um, it, there's part of me that wants to buy in on, but I just can't. I mean, they're 20 and 22 at home. They're 26 and 23 on the road. I feel like that won't hold up for them. I mean, they're pretty much right what I expected them to be. They're an average team. Mm-hmm. They, 500 baseball. After they traded Paul Goldschmidt, it was like, all right, they're about to blow it up, and then they didn't. They got Eduardo Escobar is playing great for them. David Peralta, who just went on the IL, Marte. Was a big blow. Yeah, Cantel Marte has been great for them, especially with his. Considering his positional flexibility, being able to play second base and the outfield for them, with Peralta on the IL, being able to play him out in the outfield is going to be huge. Let's put it this way. Out of the three teams, Arizona, Colorado, San Diego, and I guess, I mean, San Francisco has kind of come on strong lately. Out of those four teams, which, if if any of those teams were to make the wild card, who would you pick? Uh, I think I'd go with Colorado. San Diego's interesting, though. I I love Fernando Tatis. Love him. With Chris Paddock. Got off to a great start, completely fell off. They sent him to single A, and he's been looking good since he came back. But I still think they're a year away. 
So I think behind the Dodgers, the team with the best chance to get into the playoffs right now in that division would have to be the Colorado Rockies. And for them to be able to do what they've done this year, considering the fact that Kyle Freeland has been awful so bad they had to send him down, it's been pretty impressive that they've just been able to hang around. Um, but offensively, they're still a great team. Charlie Blackman having a career year. You know how good Nolan Arenado is. So behind the Dodgers, I think that the Colorado Rockies have the best chance in that division. I agree. I'm half good at the Rockies. I think the Padres, it's a year too soon. And like you said, I mean, it's the pitching struggles. Like guys like, like Strom was a guy I was really high on coming into the year. He's... He's been very. He started out hot, but he's been very down. Yeah, he's been. That's the thing with these young pitchers; they'll have their ups and downs. They'll mm-hmm. have their growing pains, and it happens. That's why I think they're still a year away. They'll get everything figured out. They'll get the kinks figured out, and they'll be fine next year. Next year, yeah. is a different story. Next year, I'm buying the Padres, but I'm going to agree with you. I've got to go with the Rockies. Yeah. I mean, the hitting's too stacked. I think they have a decent rotation, decent bullpen. I mean, it's decent enough, you know. So. I got to buy on the Rockies here to make the playoffs. I mean, they always got that home field advantage with teams traveling in and out at the altitude, just like the Nuggets. So, got to buy the Rockies. All right, so now we got two quick things here before that we're done, and that is the All Stars. Um, talk some snubs here from the All Star roster, and well, I'll let you. You know, I'll let you start things off. Yeah, first. I mean, my biggest snub right now is Brady saying, "I hate to say it, but Juan Soto." He's 20 years old. He's fourth in the National League and on base percentage. He's got a top 10 OPS this year in the league, batting over 300. He's just MLB needs to market their young stars, and you have a guy right here who's been one of the best players in baseball this year, and he gets snubbed. I know the other guys in the All-Star game, the other outfielders, are having great years, guys like David Dahl in the reserves. David Dahl is awesome. Not taking anything away from him. But Soto deserves it more. I think he's one of the biggest snubs this year. And I think it's pretty ridiculous that he hasn't been able to get a spot with these other guys dropping out. And I think that if Christian Yelich drops out of the All-Star game as well as the home run derby, that Juan Soto should be the guy that gets that spot. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. I could see Yelich dropping out of the All-Star game as well last minute and Soto getting the call there. My biggest snub is actually Manny Machado. Part of it is because he's one of my favorite players. But, I mean, Machado's thing that probably hurt him the most is the fact that he got hot later in the season rather than in the beginning. You know, he started off a little bit slow, but he had 11 home runs last month. Been absolutely on fire. I mean, part of him, I think that his hitting helped San Diego heat up a little bit out there. So, I think Machado should have been on the team, and I definitely thought that he should have been on there over Muncie. The fact that they named Muncie as the replacement over him really kind of – Piss me yeah, off. I mean, especially you look at what Manny did over the last 30 games, like you said, slashing 285, 331, 610 slugging with 11 home runs. He's really come on strong after the slow start, and he's definitely one of the guys that's most deserving of being an all-star. Can play short, can play third. I think it's pretty bad that they left him out, especially they've been trying to market him for years now. He's been one of the bona fide stars of the game, just got $300 million. I, I, don't, I don't get why they left him off. Especially with guys like Paul DeYoung making it. I get everybody's got to have their representative. But. Yeah, let's get to that. So DeYoung made it. I have DeYoung as probably the most undeserving. Obviously, every team has to have one all-star, though. And he was probably, I mean, the way he was hitting the ball at the beginning of the year, I guess he's the most deserving Cardinal. As we said, every, all the Cardinals have been average. But he's the one who's took the spot from Ozzy or Dansby. Yeah, I mean, Ozzy and Dansby both, those aren't huge, egregious snubs right now. But those are really good players who deserve that spot over him. Both of them OPS around 830. Dansby having a huge power breakout, 17 home runs. Which I I knew he'd be better. I said he'd be a lot better with, now that he got that uh, thing removed from his wrist. Because he could barely bend his wrist last season. The fact that he played through that is unbelievable to me. But he's been unreal this year compared to what the uh, expectations were for him. Ozzie Albies last year got hot and then... Pitchers kind of figured him out, and he fell off in the second half. This year, he's figured things out from the left side. After a rocky start from the left side, he's got everything figured out this year. Yeah, he went deep yesterday for the left side. Yeah, either of those guys would be great picks over Paul DeYoung, but unfortunately, every team needs a representative, and that's why guys like uh, Sandy Alcantara is in there, too. He hasn't been bad, but 382 ERA, not a huge strikeout guy. He's, He's a good pitcher. He's one of the guys that the Marlins are going to have to build around, but 
he's not an all-star. Yeah, I mean, Caleb Smith getting hurt and Yamamoto kind of yeah. coming up later. Yeah, Caleb Smith is a guy that I, I still would have given it to him because he came back. They knew he'd be back by the all-star break. He was lights out against Atlanta. Well, not well after a rocky start, he gave up four runs in the first three innings. Mm-hmm. And the next three innings, he couldn't touch him. He's got great stuff. The strikeouts are there. He's a really good pitcher. He's the main piece that they're going to build around in that rotation. I think he would have been more deserving than Alcantara. Uh, but, I mean, the every team needs a representative. I get that. But guys like that, JT Realmuto, I get he's a big name. Uh, Reese Hoskins and Scott Kingery have been much better than Realmuto has this year. But giving him that spot as the third catcher just kind of – I think it's just because of the name. I don't think he really deserved it. Yeah, no, I agree with you there completely. Let's any other big NL. Uh, one one big snub in the NL. Cole Hamels. We mentioned him earlier. He's on the IL. He's though. on the IL though, but that was recent. When the Ooh. roster was announced, he was not on the IL. He was completely healthy when they announced the roster, and they left him off. And that doesn't make any sense to me. I do think that he would have gotten that last spot instead of Sonny Gray if he had been healthy. Now that they're adding people to it, but the original roster, when that came out, he was healthy, sub-3 ERA, having a great year for the Cubs. He's been lights out since the trade, really, because he got off to a rough start in Texas last year. They moved him to Chicago. He was lights out for the rest of the year, and he's been great for them this year. Uh, I think he's a pretty big snub there, but like you said, the injury, he wouldn't have been able to pitch in it anyway. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with you there. Um, Let's move here to the AL now, obviously, I think the biggest snub in the AL has got to be Rafael Devers. Yeah, I agree with that. In 328, OPS well over 9. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that he wasn't great to start the season either. He really picked it up, but that's a pretty bad snub. I, I don't really see any excuse for leaving him off. You look at the other guys that they added on instead of him. And I thought for sure when Lestella went down, if, I get that Lestella's second base Devers third base, but you need an infielder. I thought for sure when LaSalle went down, he would be the guy to replace him, so I, I don't really get that one. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, and I believe Devers has over, because he only has 16 home runs, 62 RBIs, though. That's damn good. Um, other AL snubs I have is I think Luke Voigt deserved to be on the yeah. roster over Abreu. I mean, the Yankees are, it's kind of the same thing. If you're going to name Muncie over Machado, the argument there would be that the Dodgers are winning more games, so he's helping them win more games. Well, I would use the exact same argument with Luke Voigt, plus the White Sox already have a representative with uh, Giolito being named to the team. So, I mean, the stats are almost identical between the two of them. Voigt's got a little bit of better average. I think three more home runs from Abreu. So, I mean, I think that he's getting robbed. And I, I think that this is another thing, just like Cole Hamels, where he definitely deserved it, and then he got hurt and wouldn't have done it anyway. Which, if they had just given him the spot once he got hurt, Abreu would have wound up in there. But I definitely think Voigt's more deserving than Abreu. He does have, Abreu does have him on home runs just a little bit. Other than that, voice numbers are better across the board. Uh, hit a big home run in London. International superstar now. Guy came out of nowhere. But I think he was definitely more deserving than Abreu. But I, I can't. I don't hate the Abreu addition. I just don't think it was as well-deserved as it would have been for Luke Floyd. Any other players you think? Uh, not, I didn't really have a lot of beef with the AL roster. I don't think that the pitching in the AL in general has been that great this year. So I don't really have much, but one guy in the AL that did make it that I don't really understand is Masahiro Tanaka. That's another one where I think that the name really gets ahead of everything else. Mediocre ERA just below four. I mean, I guess like I just said, the pitching in the American League hasn't been great, but this guy, I I don't get that. Yeah, I agree. No, I agree with you there. We'll jump here now to our last thing before we're done, and it'll just be real quick here. Home run derby tomorrow night. It's always a fun event to watch in Cleveland. I mean, you got the home you got the hometown guy and uh, Carlos Santana. Who are you picking? Uh, I I don't want to go against Ronald, so I'm gonna say that Ronald does get past Josh Bell in the first Ooh. round. I think it's gonna come down to the winner of Ronald Acuna and Pete Alonso in the second round, and I think Pete Alonso hits the deepest home run tomorrow. I think he. It's a couple over 500 feet. I think Josh Bell will. I think I think Pete Alonso's got the most raw power in baseball. That's a guy, at the beginning of the year, I picked his rookie of the year. Yeah, you did. I said he would uh, edge out Tatis and a young pitcher from Atlanta. But uh, I can't go against Ronnie Baseball here. 
but I'm going to say the winner of that matchup is going to go on and win it. Um, you know, I, I think the winner of the it's, – it's tough for me. I think Josh Bell – I think Acuna has the worst matchup with Josh Bell. So then you got a hell of a draw. That's kind of yeah. You know, it's, they they literally just went by who has the most home runs. Yeah. Is how they did it. So I think I'm gonna go with Josh Bell or Carlos Santana to win it. But I mean, I think if him or whoever wins Bell or Acuna, I think it, I'm picking them and then Bell. So I will say, I mean them and then uh, Santana because he's the you know we we've seen guys like Todd Frazier for example, like yeah, Bryce Harper last guy. year, the hometown guy. Always the crowd gets behind him. Yeah, but I will say what I'm rooting for for that. I want it to come down to Ronald Acuna and Vlad Jr. Because this is the first time ever two players younger, uh, below the age of 22 mm-hmm. have been in the home run derby. These are two legit superstar caliber players, huge talents that MLB needs to be promoting, needs to be putting them out front. So if it came down to the two of them, I think that would be incredible for the game of baseball. Exactly. Well, babe, we just hit the hour mark, so I guess we better wrap things up. But I appreciate you coming on once again. Yeah, appreciate it, man. And it's always a good one we got bid on here, but I appreciate everyone tuning in once again. Follow me on Twitter at Hot Takes with TP3, on Instagram at TP3 underscore NBA underscore bets. So, and for Atlanta sports fans, we're cooking something up. Stay oh, tuned. yeah. Me and Bid got big things coming in the works, so stay tuned, everybody. Appreciate y'all tuning in, and we'll see you guys next time.